Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There is a story for everyone here, because every story matters. Welcome everyone to the Storybooks. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the story box together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. Today, my friends, your journey to self-love starts here. My guest today is Armon Anderson, known as Mr. Self-Love. Now, for those of you that need to know more about this human being and what he's actually been through, what you're about to listen to is a pretty damn powerful conversation. We go deep straight away into a lot of uh, Armon's story of abuse, uh, physical abuse, which was absolutely horrendous. He suffered this at the hands of one of his ex-partners. And it goes further than that. It goes further into how that made him feel and heartbreak, loss, acceptance, the whole bit. So this is going to be a conversation for each and every one of you. Some of you may relate to his story. I know I could on many different levels, but he has a brand new book out called Self-Loveology. Now, I this is the first time I had even heard of that term, but... Self-love has never been more important than right now. While the world is in a global pandemic and many are stuck inside their homes for months on end, it's vital for our mental health that we maintain a healthy relationship with the most important one we'll ever have in our lives, that one we all have with ourselves. By sharing poignant personal antidotes of heartbreak, hope, and encouragement, Armon Anderson invites and inspires readers to find their path towards self-love. Much more than a mere self-help book, Self-Loveology is a detailed guide and roadmap for personal growth and transformation. Filled with tips and tools you will need and you will feel compelled and equipped to set aside the struggles and pains of your past and step boldly into the endless possibilities of the present and future. You can go and get a copy of Self-Loveology right now. It's available anywhere books are sold, so go and get it. So if you do get something from this episode as well, please share it around with your friends and family. It goes a long way, my friends, in in building this community, but also helping Armon and 
the message that he's trying to put out there too. So I know he'd be super appreciative of you guys sharing this one. He does have a, a heart of gold as well, which I, I really loved. So with that being said, my friends, don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star rating review over on Apple Podcasts, YouTube videos, everything that you need, or in the show notes below. Appreciate each and every one of you. So you know what time it is. It's time to get back to the place of self-love while we journey into these story walks today and listen to the story of Mr. Self-Love himself, Armon Anderson. I am honored, Jay. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to have you here, man. We've been conversing back and forth on, on social media. I had to apologize before for having to reschedule uh, our uh, original meeting <laughs> because of because of uh, sickness, but I wouldn't have missed this conversation for the world. I'm glad that you're here, man. I, I really believe in your message. I think it needs to be spread far and wide. Um, my very first question, if you have listened to my show, which I'm pretty sure you have, <laughs> what does success look like for you? That's a great question. I would say success to me would be living out my purpose, understanding that, and it took me many, many trials and tribulations to understand this, but that my purpose eventually, I gained clarity that it was much bigger than myself. Mm. And, you know, I think God would want me to live out my purpose for the sake of helping humanity. And I feel like if I got to the end of my life, uh, I don't know if you ever heard this analogy where God will show you two videos, the life you lived and the life that he wanted you to live. Mm. Um, I would like to see the one that he wanted me to live and have it look just like the one that I chose to live myself. And so mm. that's ultimately success to me is, is living out my purpose for the sake of humanity while I'm here. Where did you discover your purpose? Like, did it just come to you randomly one day or has it been like this evolving journey over time that you've sort of like, okay, I, I feel like this is my purpose, but I'm not 100% sure. Oh, no, Jay. Trials and many trials. <laughs> <laughs> As it usually is. <laughs> Tell you know, me about him. I was watching a video of Will Smith, and he was talking about that everything is on the other side of fear mm. and, and your biggest tests in life. And I watched this a couple minutes ago, and I couldn't agree more because um, did I ever think my pain would turn into a book? Uh, never. Did I ever think the moments that I was, you know, crying and I went through a physically abusive relationship would lead me to becoming Mr. Self-Love? Uh, I would tell you there's no way that that would ever happen because prior to Mr. Self-Love, I was an entrepreneur for 17, 18 years and nothing to do with self-love. I didn't even know what self-love was, uh, but it was a lot of pain that I went through that eventually made me realize, Jay, that I wasn't alone and that if I figured out how, it wasn't easy, but if I figured out how to be vulnerable, I possibly would have met people like me who were thankful that I spoke up so that they could do the same. So let's dive into your story. So you mentioned there that you went through a physically abusive relationship. Um, so can you share firstly what actually happened? I want to go deep straight away. <laughs> so what actually happened in that relationship? Yeah, you know, everything stems from the root. And sometimes we don't consciously think that something starts from maybe childhood, right? Because we're in our mm -hmm. 20s, 30s, 40s. 
And for me, I saw my mother be codependent trying to save my father. And when you're a child or a teen, you don't realize that you're going to likely do the same and then have to figure it out for yourself of where it came from, where the behavior stem from. Mm. And so um, I met this, this woman and basically uh, from the get-go uh, realized that it was not healthy. But uh, Jay, I was 100% certain that God put me here to save her. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. This is uh, feeling all too familiar. <laughs> Continue. Yeah, I thought that was my life purpose. <laughs> And I, I dedicated literally my everything to the point of losing myself and feeling like no matter, you know, what I said or did, even if I failed, I failed, I failed. Eventually I would strike a chord with her and she would, she would heal. And it, it went down a road of, uh, dysfunction, drama, you know, uh, physical abuse and sharing that as a man, uh, is difficult today, let alone when I first started sharing what I went through, mm. um, because you really don't hear men as much talk about it as, as women do. Um, and I got to the point where, um, it's actually in self lovology. It was part of the most terrifying moment of my life, uh, that ironically led to my breakthrough, mm. which was, uh, being in a car, arm bleeding, uh, being hit, and almost like a Lifetime movie. I'm not sure, Jay, if you have a Lifetime TV channel in Australia. <laughs> uh, but typically, they're, they're pretty intense uh, movies. And I looked at myself, and although she was hitting me really, really hard in a very tiny car, um, everything slowed down for, for about 60 seconds. And like a voice came to me and said, Armand, this is not about her. Mm. And the voice said, not only this is not about her, there's something inside of you that chose her from day one and then allowed her to do this to you. And all you got to do is walk away. And if I told you how many people told me across 13 months that I deserve better, that it was unhealthy, I, I went to the hospital probably six times with panic attacks. I never even knew, Jay, what a panic attack was um, up until that relationship. But what I learned through that is not only could people, my mother, my sister, my friends, they couldn't rob the experience I needed to break through, um, that it was necessary. And it's kind of weird, right, to, to say that some of these things are necessary to get to breakthrough. But if someone took away that 13 months in my life, I legitimately may never have found my life purpose. So it carries weight that in the moment you don't see, but after the fact, you realize that pain could actually be growth. Mm. Now, talking about the breakthrough, I wanted to sort of ask you, have you forgiven her? Because there's two kind of breakthroughs you can have. The first one is realizing that you need to leave. And then the second breakthrough is realizing that you, you should, I guess, forgive in order to let go and then move on. So did you have two breakthroughs in that respect? And have you actually forgiven her? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the distinction was it wasn't about me. Mm. And sometimes we make somebody else's unhealed wounds about ourselves, yeah. And then we hold on, even if someone passes away or we've been se separated for 10, 20 years, we're still holding on to what was their behavior, not ours. And so immediately, once I understood the distinction, it was wishing her well, wishing, you know, healing and love for herself. 
uh, first and foremost. And then for maybe the next person that she was going to be in a relationship with. And, you know, she would tell the story that, yes, she treated someone in a, in a negative way, but learn from it and it's better because of it. And so that was kind of the first uh, distinction. Um, the second was gratitude. And I know you might be thinking to yourself, how in the world? <laughs> <laughs> yes. But but the gratitude was that it became a blessing in my life that, um, you know, I'm now doing what I believe is what God put me here to do. And without her, maybe that wouldn't be the case. Did that sort of that relationship, did that impact the way you saw yourself as a man? Yeah, so that's it. That's a deep one, Jay. I know, I know you, you go there. I'm no, excited. Let's go, there. <laughs> let's go there, brother. Let's do it. Yeah. You know, I don't think you get much lower than being in a corner and you're, you're kind of ducking and, and covering and, um, and never hitting back and just taking it. Right. And when you're, when you're in that vulnerable space, um, there's not much lower you can go. Mm. And so after that relationship, I really had to, heal. And that was its own journey um, to understand that I never have to go through that again. But unless I never want that to happen again, I must heal what got me there in the first place. Yeah. And sometimes we, we think the healing is in the next relationship. And so we just say, how can I move on or who's going to love me? But I realized that uh, in life, we don't get what we want or deserve. We attract the person we're willing to become. Mm. And I had to become before I, I could attract. So why didn't you fight back? Why didn't you really defend yourself or lash out? Because that's sort of an uncommon thing for a man, so to speak, that he's getting absolutely hammered by just anyone in particular. The natural response is, okay, I'm going to lash out. So why didn't you? Just never in my nature. Yeah. Uh, I never saw violence in my life. Uh, my father, he left when I was 12, but never violent, nothing like that. And so um, just not in my DNA. Um, unfortunately, what was in my DNA was to, to help fix and save someone who was in that state. Yeah. And, you know, once I learned that, um, and I kind of went back, I read a book by Melody Beattie called Codependent No More. Um, and you know, that whole book is about saving yourself and, you know, learning how to not control anybody else mm -hmm. for the sake that you literally cannot and should not. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I learned to let go of any expectation. You know, if someone's going to cheat, they're going to cheat. If someone's going to be dysfunctional, they're going to be dysfunctional. The, the main ingredient is believing them when they show you who they are and understand that your boundaries can prevent you from ever experiencing that more than once. And don't worry for those people that are listening. I would never hit a woman. I've never hit a woman before. I don't believe in that. I don't believe in violence. I'm a passive. I'm a passive person. Um, I, 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 I was raised the same way. I believe you are. It's not in my nature to lash out or, or hit back. But I'm just curious. Like when you're in that moment of sheer pain, like did you ever have that moment of I want to end this? Like I want to stop her i want to grab her hands right now and just stop the abuse that's, that's happening to me no believe it or not i i would run and i learned that when i would run she would chase and so if i was running out of the apartment to my car i made sure to lock the car as soon as i got in 
Um, but because I was unhealed in my own right, I would drive an hour home and where was I eight in the morning? Then I was right back there. Wow, man. So can you tell me after you left that relationship, what was the work like? How long did it actually take you to dive into understanding that you are worth something, you are worthy of love? That relationship does not define you. Can you share how long that journey actually took you to finding who you actually are? Yeah, the first thing I focused on was kind of putting the the pieces that seemed like they were all over the place as to why I became that way and believed in my belief system that that was okay. Mm. Right? Cuz I always say if if you don't know your self-worth, you will date somebody who will remind you of that. Mm-hmm. For better or worse, right? And so as soon as that relationship ended, it was you know, is there really anybody in the world, even the greatest human being, is there anybody who will ever love me like I can love myself? Mm. And I found out that's not going to be the case. Like I, I can love myself the greatest that anybody in the world can. And if I truly believe that and take the time to strengthen my self-worth and my self-love, then from there, I will never allow anything like I used to in my life. And it was more so about me. But when you don't focus on yourself, you tend to blame somebody else for why your circumstance is the way it is. Which is the the natural and easy response is to blame. Don't worry. I've been there many, many times. <laughs> it feels good temporarily. It does feel good. Like it's you're passing the the blame onto somebody else. It's like kind of like I want this pain that I'm experiencing to go to someone else. Like I don't want to have to deal with it. So I just reflect it. I want them to deal with it because it's their fault, not mine. And it's that, that fear of doing the work and diving into that. And I've been there many times. Like I was in a, a, an emotionally abusive, and it wasn't physically abusive. It was emotionally abusive relationship for quite some time. But I felt like I put, I did the stupid thing of putting my entire worth, my entire being. I was like, I love you to the end of time. I'm going to do whatever it takes, you know, but the emotional abuse just kept creeping up. I just kept feeling and being pushed down, pressured, you name it. And then when it all sort of shattered and ended, I shattered along with it. And then it was this crazy long period of time that I blamed her everything that she said to me, everything she did, it was all her fault, wasn't anything to do with me. And I had to realize, no, it's not her fault. She has her own journey to deal with. I've got my own journey right now to deal with in finding who I really am. And that took that took a bit of time, man. Like, I'm not going to lie. So I want to ask you, for someone that is in a relationship right now, and it is abusive, it is, it is kind of crazy and they don't really understand, they don't really know that they are worth something, they don't know it. What advice would you give to them? Well, ironically, and this is no accident, I watched your video a few minutes before we started this mm-hmm. and you, you talked about uh, not asking God why, but what is this teaching me? Mm. And that was so powerful, Jay, because it's the same thing answering this question 
which is, you know, what is this teaching me about myself? Like if, if I love myself, would I, would I even tolerate this for two seconds? Right. And when you introspect, right, you look within yourself, it's so much greater, right? It took me many years, probably almost two and a half decades to learn this, but best thing I learned was what is this teaching me, right? What is it about me that is tolerating this? Because you don't have to, right? And I know for some people listening to this, you know, they're going to think to themselves, maybe financially, they need to get to a better place to remove themselves, right? Everyone's in a different, a different state, but it always starts with the self. It's kind of a cliche, but you know, it's self-love, not their love. Mm-hmm. And one thing I find in many of my clients is how often we hold on to the negative things said to us in a previous relationship and we believe them to be true and it becomes your self-image, mm-hmm. right? And then you carry that self-image with you into the next relationship where, you know, we either attract the same type of relationship or this new person who had nothing to do with our past, they don't see us the way we see ourselves. But eventually, as they get to know us, we'll identify that we never healed from the past. Mm. Or we get desperate. We get desperate. The fact that no one is ever going to love me again, like the person supposedly did before. (laughs) Which is, I'm glad you put connotations around this supposedly because what you said is so true, becoming desperate and saying, who is going to love me? Who's the next person who's going to love me? But if you really sat back and asked yourself, did you really experience healthy love in your past? The answer would be no. So in fact, we should probably be thankful and grateful that now we have the opportunity to heal and become healthy so we can attract healthy love. Mm. What is healthy love? I, I learned this from a mentor of mine who became also a best friend of mine and very healthy relationship, healthy marriage, and um, it takes work and they, they put in the time to make sure it's that way. Um, and he always said, number one was trust. Number two is communication. Number three is respect. And he said, if one falters, all of a sudden the entire relationship crumbles. And so I heard this when I was 18 and didn't take it to heart, obviously, because I went through <laughs> that relationship. But eventually, I took it to heart, and I understood it this way. Um, again, I think Will Smith has a video where he says, uh, you're either going to find me on the top of the mountain or dead on the side, but I'm not coming back. Mm. And I kind of use that analogy in my current relationship with my fiance Linda, which is what we talked about day one, which is she's going to love herself and always focus on her self-love and her growth. I'm going to do the same individually. Mm. And because of that, we'll have the ability to have a healthy relationship and treat one another with the love and respect we gave to the individual self. And if we don't do that, we will come together and have an honest conversation and the relationship will be no more. Mm. But we kind of had that, you know, not a rule, but kind of a fine line that, she cannot cross the boundary for me and I cannot cross the boundary simply to date her. Mm. I've always been curious about building trust within relationships. It's something that I have honestly struggled with over the, the course of my journey. Now I'm only 24, so I'm still young. I'm still learning, which I absolutely love. And I love learning from people that have been down this journey for themselves. And they're sort of, 
uh, experienced broken trust in the past and then how they've been able to regain, I guess, a sense of trust and, and worth and all that sort of stuff in their life. So can you help me and for those people that are listening, understand how we can build the right kind of trust back when that trust has been broken? Is that actually possible? Yeah, I actually went through this in a really dark way. I used to be very insecure, jealous, back when you could even see who your significant other was liking pictures on Instagram. They changed that probably for because of me. <laughs> and me too. <laughs> One and the same. <laughs> and I, I, I ultimately realized that the more jealous I became and the more insecure, it was damage to myself, but more so I kept pushing my girlfriend at the time away. Mm. And having been cheated on before and also having, you know, caught my father doing the same thing with my mother, um, trust, you know, you start to look at trust a little bit differently that no one is honest, even if they act a certain way for a long period of time in your mind, one day it's going to happen. That was my mentality. And the way I, I kind of went to the other side was realizing that I could not take my past experience or someone else's identity and place it on somebody new. And the freedom, and when I say freedom, I mean probably one of the best feelings of my life coming from being insecure and jealous is realizing that what someone's gonna do, like if I allow, if I allow her to, to live her life, I'm actually gonna see what she would rather do. If I control her, I'm not going to see what she would rather do. She's going to do what I want her to do. And so I learned to embrace and almost fall in love with completely unattaching and, and being secure within myself. And if something happened that was not in my belief system anymore, then I would let it go. Mm. Um, and that's what I would recommend to everybody is the more you let go, uh, you will see what they will rather do. And, and that should tell you what you really need to know for better or worse. Yeah. But Armin, it's so hard to let go. <laughs> How can I let go easier? Is that actually possible to let go a lot easier? Or is it just like this constant difficult journey of getting to the place that we can actually let go? All, all it comes down to is the story you keep telling yourself. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and and that's, it kind of hits home, right? Even saying this, it hits home for me because you tell yourself a story enough times, you, you believe it. And some people believe the same story for the rest of their life. And I'd encourage everybody to be open-minded, you know, because sometimes, sometimes we think we need to go to a, a seminar or we need to read a million books or we need all these things, but it's the, it's the action. It's the first step that's going to make all the difference. And, you know, deciding to tell yourself a story, just like we told ourselves a story to begin with. And you say, look, right, I'm going to create a new story and, and start to believe it um, that, you know, this person is not who I used to date or who I used to know. And, you know, let's just, mm. you know, eliminate control and, and go from here. I have a, a oh, what do I call it? It's, um, I call it the cap method. It's kind of like this, this mentality that I came up with um, after I actually went to a, a dark period. 
funny enough how I actually came up with this, which quite often is the case. Uh, the cab method basically enables people to understand firstly that it's their choice. So it's getting to the place of letting go and, and all that sort of stuff, becoming better. So understand, but a lot of people do this in their life. They make the choice to accept and they persistently tell themselves that same narrative over and over and over again in their head. And it beats them down to a point where they, begets, they, they get stuck, they get depressed, they get lonely, they get anxious, they suffer panic attacks. You know how I know this? I've been there. I've experienced it. So I know it 100% to be true. And if I've experienced it, guaranteed so many other people experience it too. So how do we reverse engineer this? Well, basically, I say it like you have to understand that it is your choice to be stuck where you currently are. You are accepting this place to be the exact place that you are. You want to be for the rest of your life, but you've got to persistently tell yourself that I, I shouldn't be stuck there. I can do the work now every single day moving forward to become better. And it's putting a, a literal cap on all the negative and saying, I'm going to persistently keep tightening that cap every single day and not allowing it to loosen because the moment it gets loosened, then there is possibility there for the negatives to come back out. And then I start this whole journey of, of once again, accepting the negative into my life. So it's this process. I understand. I, I completely relate to most of your story, Armin, but I thought I would share that uh, example and I write about it as well in my book and I explain it in further detail. Uh, I go into like different stories and how it relates to choice, how it relates to acceptance and how we can officially use it in, in your life to become a better human being. One thing that I like about in your book, self Loveology, is you talk about choosing the choice factor there, betterness, not bitterness. Can you share how you came up with that? Yeah, it's um, 12 years old, Jay. My father had just left. Mm -hmm. And the next evening, I was, I was bitter. I mean, this, this guy, he was an amazing father. He'd come home from work at 10 at night. I'd be in front of the garage. I mean, watch Laker games together. Mm -hmm. It was just uh, my idol, right? And when he didn't come home, and I think in the book, I, I say that the, I didn't hear the garage uh, open forever, you know, um, I ultimately go to my closet um, to put a shirt away and I see a case of beer on the ground. And when I look at it, I realize when he was drinking one night, he probably thought my closet was the kitchen and misplaced it. And, and I go to pick it up to drink it. And as I got close to you know, actually having the beer go in my mouth, I had a spitting image of my daughter and my son. I was 32 and my daughter looks at me and she says, dad, are you going to choose betterness or bitterness? And I said, what's the difference? Mm -hmm. And she says, well, bitterness is doing what he did. It's always going to be the easier decision, retaliating and things like that. I said, well, what's betterness look like? And she said, well, Betterness will always be the more difficult decision um, mm. in your life, but it will always lead you to better. And in that moment, I put the can of beer down and literally looked at this. I don't even know what, what kind of moment you want to call it, but this moment. 
And I decided to not only put that down, but never drink in my life. <laughs> and so having said that and making a decision at 12 and being an entrepreneur, you're around alcohol, drugs, and everything else, right? In some certain settings. Yeah. But I learned at 12, and I didn't know this at the beginning, the power of a decision and how it can impact your life. Because even my beautiful mother, she would say, Armand, go to these parties. How come you're home on a Friday night? You should go, you know, for God's sakes, bring a girl home and kiss her. Cause like, you don't bring girls home either. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and she would say, go do these things. Uh, but you know, I hadn't told her that at 12 years old, as I got older, I had that moment. And, um, I took that moment to many aspects in my life, Jay, of when things happen out of my control, especially to not react and, and kind of sit with it and choose betterness because bitterness ultimately will delay me from my purpose in life, my happiness, my physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health. And it's, it's a fine line. And, you know, you and I were talking earlier, there's some things that have happened in my life that it's, it's so easy to go down the road of, of being bitter. Um, when someone has done you wrong, they've hurt you, they've stolen from you. Uh, but at what cost, if you go pay attention to that bitterness, right, what does it take you away from? And for me, I continue to not want bitterness, which happens in my life. People, I think social media can be a trap. People don't think I go through some things that they go through sometimes because, you know, you're a coach or author, whatever the case may be. Um, I tell them every single day that even my relationship with Linda, it's beautiful, it's healthy, but there's no such thing as perfect. Mm. it's just progress mm. i say that as well man this is this is powerful and and also bitterness leads to hate and hate leads to unforgiveness resentment you name it all these terrible terrible things that we should never allow into our life that we just become like the worst kind of person on the planet that no one wants to really associate with and i mean we see it kind of in movies like you see the person that has been through absolute hell and they've chosen to resent, I guess, that experience and what that does to them, it eats them up. And I think I like how you mentioned the alcohol because a lot of people turn to the drink. They think because they're masking the pain. I don't want to deal with the pain. I don't want to face up to it. The pain sucks. Leave me alone. I'm going to drown my sorrows. It's that sort of mindset. And I can I can understand, man, like I've never had a drink of alcohol in my life, never smoked, never done anything like that. I, don't, I never went out to parties, never went out clubbing. And people would ask me all the time. They'd be like, why aren't you going out and doing all that sort of stuff? You know, why aren't you going and finding girls and doing sort of like quote unquote the, the normal thing in society? And I said, I just don't, I don't feel like it's my place to be there. I felt out of place in many respects. And I think I looked at, where that sort of lifestyle took it was sort of like this satisfying thing but it wasn't fulfilling i think people are chasing satisfaction rather than fulfillment so that's when i i realized that quite young actually and then secondly because of my my health i couldn't so i had two two things that i was actually choosing um in my life and i've committed to it so I, I love that, man. Like it's, it's such a good, it's so, it's so wise. 
Yeah, are we brothers? <laughs> we we must be, man. We're brothers from another mother. It's like I'm 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 feeling your story, man. And as, as I was reading your book, I'm like, did he did he steal my story or what? <laughs> but it goes back to once again, as we're talking about that relatability factor that we're yeah. not alone, man. We're not alone. So you were you were actually we were talking about it before you were bullied as well. Why were you bullied, man? You, if people look at you and look at the, the handsome devil that you are on, on the cover, why were people bullying you? You know, it goes back to what you just talked about. I stopped, I didn't even go to parties, but as soon as one of my good friends kind of went from living a sober life to partying, all of a sudden a group of guys started to bully me because I wasn't willing to do the same. Oh yes. <laughs> and Jay, I, I remember vividly, I was in my junior year of high school and going to the bathroom stall and I'm in the middle of two other guys and we're all standing and, and peeing and they, they, they like move forward and they look at each other and the guy says, do you know, Armand is going to get his, you know what, kicked in about like 15 minutes. And I'm about 6'2". I'm really skinny. I've always been skinny. So me protecting myself with guys who are twice my size, forget about it. It was not going to happen. I would just take it and call it a day. <laughs> and so hearing that was just intimidating, right, uh, to begin with. And um, I had everything like my tires slashed and you know, many different things to eventually I was too afraid to go to school and I became homeschooled and my mother forced me into my senior year at a new high school because she wanted me to experience my senior year. Mm. Um, but what I always knew ultimately was there was a good chance one day they would heal and they would actually apologize. And it happened uh, about four years later, I get a knock on my door and the main person who orchestrated the bullying uh, said that due to being on drugs and in a bad place, um, you know, he bullied me and that he apologized. And um, now we communicate to this day. So it's just, again, going back to betterness over bitterness, even, even though I was, my life was kind of being threatened to some degree, I knew that it really wasn't them. Because I do believe there's good-hearted people that like at that time, maybe they just didn't have a family dynamic mm. and, you know, they have unresolved pain and they just take it out on me. Mm. And so thankfully, again, I removed myself, new high school. And years later, it was another message to me that it wasn't about me. And um, betterness was the was the right idea again. What's that old saying, hurt people, hurt people? It's very true. And I'm sorry that you had to go through that, man. Like, I'm sorry that you had to experience all this. But in saying all that, you are the man that you are today because of it. So in that respect, like, would do you think that if you had uh, an opportunity to sort of start over in your life, that if you knew all this, do you think that you would repeat it? I'm going to, I'm going to turn that question and ask you a, a second follow-up. Ready? Yep. 
I would say, Jay, if someone gave you a million dollars cash today, and but you had to have a clean slate, right? New set of parents, all all the relationship, toxic drama gone, and and you start over, and you'd have all the money in the world, restarting your life. Would you do it? No. Not for and if I said, hey, if I, if I gave you $10 million cash now instead of one, would you do it? Not for all the money in the world, man. No way. And, and how's that answer for all the times we're like, ah, like my life sucks or I hate myself. I hate my life. I'm not worthy yet. You just in front of everybody said 10 million. You could give me a hundred million and I'd still want to be Jay. <laughs> Doesn't matter how much money you give me. You know why? Because how quickly would money leave? How quickly would you spend it? How much would you value money? Sure, money is good in the short term, but long term, who would you be if you actually spent a million dollars in one day? Like that would go so quick. Like there would be no actual substance to being a human being if you don't go through pain, challenges, you name it. You, you become a better person because of it. And I think I was talking about it in the video not to sort of bring that up again, but it's kind of like, why do we suffer? We suffer because it builds up as much as we hate it, as much as we don't want to, we suffer because you're going to increase your strength and that experience you can then take. And I say this as well, it creates a great story too. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and you know without stories you can't really you would cease to exist like there'd be no substance to to life it'd be very boring and mundane like so i'm curious what would you do would you do the same thing yeah it's not even a question <laughs> it's a it's dumb just, question that is it's like a dumb question yeah this is uh, because it's like it's like we don't go see a movie, Jay, and go to see a movie because there's no climax. Like there's always a point where you hold your breath and you're like, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? And you've, you've interviewed some of the, the world-renowned actors and actresses in the world. And when I've seen their movies, it's like, you know, you, you need a little bit of the dysfunction and drama and then there's the other side, right? Whatever happens at the end. And when it gets to the end, you, you kind of have a relief and you're like, whew, right? Mm -hmm. I went through this two hour movie and now, right, here's the end. And um, I think all of us have that. And that's why I love what you've created. And I can't believe you're 24 <laughs> because uh, just for you to, to be vulnerable with your story and, and create a platform like this, for people to unbox their own, knowing the importance of what you said, which is like the essence of life is truly storytelling. Um, it just says so much about you. And I'm so grateful that we've been connected. Uh, truly grateful. Likewise, man. And I, I feel like we're going to have many great conversations to come 100%. Um, I have a few more questions for you, man, because I know your time is, is valuable. I'm so ready for them. You, you talk about finding faith in your book, which I think is, is quite important. Now tell me about loving your kind of faith. How can we learn to love the faith that we have if we do actually have it? Yeah, it's a great question. 
um, I think in the book, I talk about placing your faith somewhere. Mm. And for everybody, it's different, right? It's not the same. And for me, uh, I grew up a uh, Christian father, Muslim mother, but wow. either one of them not really um, practicing fully, right? And so as I grew up, 18 years old, first relationship, I date this girl and her family's big into church. They were Christian, right? And the almost the fear I had of going, because if you, if you weren't raised in it, you don't know what you don't know. Mm. And so um, I really think you'll find this interesting uh, from watching your videos, because I go to church at 18. My mom's telling me what I'm going to expect, which wasn't the case, right? Because she doesn't know what she doesn't know. And I, I hear a message that I really needed to hear at the time. He had taken the story from the Bible, related it to real life. And I just sat there kind of like, wow, like, how did I miss out on this my whole life? But then something interesting happened where on Monday, I saw my girlfriend at the time and everyone that was at church and they're drinking, doing drugs, and then back on Sunday again. So it put me in a place where I'm like, well, what is this about? We're preaching this and then doing this. But that was part of my own growth of getting older and wiser and realizing that it's, it's us who need to heal and are broken that, that need to get closer to faith. And again, wherever you place your faith, right? Everyone's places their faith in a different place. Um, but that, that first moment of going to church for the first time, not having ever gone to any, you know, temple, mosque, church, what have you, um, it taught me about the power of showing up. Mm. Um, and again, I understand everyone places faith in a different place, but for me, the more I, I kept going to church and I've gone to temples, I've open-minded to like everything just cause I'm, I'm a, I'm a learner and I always learn. Um, I just realized that it was always a message that I needed to hear at that point in my life that served me and then served somebody else because I showed up. Mm. And so I would just say, in other words, show up for yourself, for where you place your faith. Mm. Um, and if I had to define faith, um, it's just like anything in my life, your vision in life, it's, it's the unseen. It's why most people do not understand why we do what we do. And in my life, I just, moving forward, especially, I create a hologram in my mind. And I realize that the image I create for my life is not in the physical, it's in the spiritual. But if I revisit that image in my mind every day, it will come to the physical. And Jay, as I'm sure you know, as an entrepreneur, then everyone says, when it comes into the physical world, Jay, I knew you could do it. Jay, mm -hmm. you're incredible but they don't see that you had to see it before it ever was in the physical world and have faith. It's uh, I talk about having a vision and a mission behind what you do. So if you don't actually have it, then you actually, when the struggles do come, you won't go back to that commitment that you made with the vision and the mission. So if you actually get stuck oftentimes when you're not grounded in, in something, it's kind of like you, and this is what happens in a lot of churches, they're sort of going there to appease their parents or it's not real for them. So they go with the flow. They go with the, the chaff of the wind, right? So they just like they blow away when things sort of get 
difficult for them. Yeah. There's no real grounding in, in solid rock. There's no anchor that they're setting themselves in. It's sort of like, I'm on sand. I'm going to sink every now and then. I'm going to, you know, move around with the flow. And I don't want to be outcast or ostracized as being someone that's different. Um, that's what happens to a lot of people. Um, and you kind of like, and no one wants to feel alone. No one wants to feel like they're left out. But there's a lot of groups I've noticed in churches in particular that sort of have those clicky groups. That they're just like very much tight and they're, they're very cautious with letting someone new in. And that sort of, that's not what God was about. He said, love everybody. Don't go and create these clicky groups. <laughs> I believe this. And if you don't believe me, then I'm going to kick you out of the group. <laughs> it's like, that's not God's message at all. He said, I have called you to love the unlovable. What does that mean? Love your enemy. Oh, geez, I've got to love my enemy. What does that mean? He's asking us to do the hard thing, but he knows as human beings, that's going to be one heck of a struggle. But if we really rely on him, and I was speaking to someone the other day about hoping in him and having the faith to believe that when things do get difficult, when you do struggle to love somebody that is hard to love, then you ask God for strength. You ask him to show up in your life. He's always going, he's always going to do it, but it will be in his time, not always our time. We get impatient and we say, I've got this massive affliction in my life. Take it out. <laughs> I don't want it. God, it's, it's so difficult to love this person. And he just keeps saying, keep believing in me, keep showing up no matter how long it takes. It, and God will have the final say. It won't be out. It won't be us. It'll be him. So I thought I'd share that. <laughs> no, it's, it's powerful. It kind of brought a vision to my mind of, why a puzzle isn't created within like two minutes mm. and it's all over the place and it's, it's in its own time. But then the moment where you find that like last piece and, and you're like, Oh, like there it is. And I think a lot of us uh, need to find gratitude in that piece that we put and it completes itself. And you're like, wow, you know, I get it now. And sometimes you want to understand the message, um, you know, way too early because we don't want to go through the pain right? right but sometimes it is that pain and putting that puzzle together and then you see this beautiful right finished art and I, I think everyone's pain gets to a point where it's finished art and then people get to look at it and and change their own life and it was, which is which is your platform and it was created by the master himself so why should we doubt? Why should we worry? But yet we do. It's part of being human. So go back to Armand's message. It's powerful. I have two final questions for you, man, if you don't mind. What do you love the most about yourself now? Forgiveness. Mm. Yeah, I'd say forgiveness of the realization of what happened with my father and i at one point had hives all over my body uh, i was so stressed i fell out of my chair in a college class jay and ambulance was in my face and um 
you know, I call stress the invisible enemy. Yeah. And we don't realize sometimes, you know, what we think about, we bring about and uh, forgiveness for myself. And then, you know, for other people that I've had, you know, experiences with, uh, I'd say was the biggest thing. Mm, I love that, man. So this is my final question. Um, you, you, you've probably heard it. Uh, it's my all time favorite question. I ask everyone at the end. It's a hypothetical one, but I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100. All your friends and your family have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll call it magic for the sake of argument. It'd be one hell of a film. <laughs> but they've been able to get it all and show it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? Honestly, Jay, <clears throat> I could see why you asked that because I got emotional. My response would be to see the testimonials of other people throughout my life who were impacted by my work. And to see families together, to see people physically, emotionally healthy, uh, to see people say they love themselves because they they heard about self-loveology and it impacted the course of their life. They let go of the story they told themselves for years and they attracted a healthy relationship and got to experience healthy love uh, while they're living, uh, which I think is the most beautiful thing about life is experiencing healthy love. And I think that at 100, that'd probably be the greatest gift uh, anyone could ever give me is the testimonials of other people. Perfect send off message, man. Where can people find you, connect with you, buy your book, which is awesome. Self loveology. Go and get a copy. Where can they get it? Thank you, Jay. So it's Mr. Self Love on social media, and then Self Loveology is on Barnes and Noble and also Amazon worldwide. Mr. Self Love, I'm on Anderson. Thank you so much for coming on the Storybox podcast, man. Jay, thank you so much for today. I appreciate you so much. I really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you would like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on all podcast platforms. It is that easy. And if you did get something from today's guest, please do share it around with your friend or family member who you feel could benefit from hearing today's story. And before you go, I greatly appreciate it if you could spend 30 seconds leaving a rating review over on Apple Podcast. It goes a long way to reaching more people and building this community of the Storybox. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one you heard today. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 